This is Season 2, Episode 3 of the Capitalize on Your Idea podcast. Today, with Randy Crum. Welcome to the Capitalize on Your Idea podcast, helping you bring any idea to fruition. Now, here's the guy who makes it all happen while keeping his day job, Justin Escar. What's up, Appitalizers? Welcome back to another episode of the Appitalize on Your Idea podcast. Today, I have a special guest. His name is Randy Crum. He's in, he is the infographics master. Now, I know in the intro it says how to make money while keeping your day job, but Randy's actual day job is to create infographics. Now, many of you say, oh, would I know what an infographic is? You'd be surprised how many times we've seen infographics labeled as infographics that are not actually infographics. Uh, we talk about it a little bit in our in the interview with Randy that I put up what I thought was an inter- infographic, but apparently had way too much text on it and stuff like that. Now, the reason I talked to Randy today is infographics is a great marketing tool. It's a great way to get your message out in a very clean, clear, understandable method, right? You have these sharp graphics, a little bit of text. Uh, it's really good. A lot of companies right now are doing it for internal work as well, so that way the information can set in on what what your message really is. So without further ado, here's my interview with Randy Crum. I'm here with my good friend, Randy Crum. Randy, how are you, man? Great, Justin. How are you? Good. You're in Austin, right? No, I'm in Dallas. Same same, same crap. Still in Texas. Still in Texas. Um, you said you survived all the uh, the monsoons and, and rain the other week? Or... Yeah, it was a little bit crazy, but we, we survived. That's good. So, Randy, you are the author of Cool Infographics. You run yes. an infographics company. What is an, t- tell people what a real infographic is. So, you know, we design data visualizations and infographics. So data visualizations are essentially charts, right? So custom ways to visualize a data set or a process or statistics. And then infographics take data visualizations and charts and mix them with text and icons and illustrations to tell a story. So in one infographic, you might have a couple different data points and an overall theme and a story, and that would be released as an infographic. Why, like what would it be used for? So predominantly what you would see online is infographics being used for online marketing purposes as content marketing um, but in a lot of ways, they're also used as uh, explanations of what a product does or what a business does and what their business model is and that type of thing. So it's usually to explain a story or something that's complicated. You try to make it um, really more understandable to a broader audience. Right. Um, but usually you have some type of data or information that you're trying to deal with and communicate that to a, a much larger audience. And ideally you want to – I mean I like the idea that it's used for content marketing, especially if you have a blog about a particular topic or something like that. Um, it's really good to have those kind of infographics because it, because it tells a story and they say a picture tells a thousand words. You know, your infographic could be a million-word blog post just because you have you know, like a really good drawing or something like that. I'm on, we're on, I'm on coolinfographics.com. I'm on your website. And uh, I'm looking at your post just from earlier this week, Dogs Hate Hugs. Which I, I read about this the other day that dogs are not okay with hugs, but this thing is so cute. Um, yeah, it, and ideally an infographic is going to share something that the audience didn't expect, right? Something they didn't know before. 
so that it's new information to them. You don't want to just be, you know, boring information that they've already heard before. But, you know, if you find some sort of insight in the data or some research has revealed something new and cool, um, that's really where an infographic stands out. Where it's like, here's, you know, a new piece of information and why it's relevant and how it applies to you and that sort of thing. And it's all in one package, that infographic that's easily to share. Right. So this dog's this dog's hating hugs one, which I don't know. My dog seems to like hugs, but I guess this is what kind of dog you can – not all dogs. Um, and the way it's designed where, like, it's just, like, an animated person and an animated dog. And then, like, you know, there's, like, these graphics in here, but then you actually have your text. And you even have here, like, uh, an actual statistic, like 81.6% of the dogs. And there's an actual statistic. Something that, like, a, 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 um, a viewer of said graphic – well, it'll snap with them better. It'll work with them better because they're seeing like this really dedicated point, you know, of a statistic, but within the world of like these really nice graphics. Yep. Yeah. And the, the research tells us that if you can turn your information, you know, this insight in this case, you know, that dogs hate hugs, um, that, that, that nugget into some torp of visual, um, you actually get into a better part of your brain, and it actually is more likely um, for your audience to actually remember that information later than if this had just been a text blog post, you know, somewhere about, hey, we found some new research, and eighty-one point six percent of dogs don't like hugs, you know. And if it was just all in text, it wouldn't be as memorable or as interesting. It wouldn't, it wouldn't like punch you in the face as much. Uh, are there different types of infographics? Yeah, there are many, many different types of infographics. Because the ones I've seen, the ones that I've seen that I think stick with me the most are the ones like this dog one. Where it's like a long graphic with different sections. Um, I've never, I don't know if I've seen other ones that would like stand out that I would remember as an infographic. Yeah, so the, the tall format is what I call it, you know, the long infographics. Those work really well online because um, our browsers do really well at giving you the scroll bar, and it's easy to scroll up and down. If they, if they make wide ones, and there are been a, a number of them that are, are a wide format. Um, browsers really struggle with that. They will generally shrink it to the width of your window page um, instead of giving you the scroll bars. And it's also tough to go side to side because you go through sidebars, you know, and on blog posts or on WordPress templates and stuff like that. Um, so usually the long one works really well for online publication. But if you're going to use it anywhere else, like if you're going to use it in a presentation, if you're going to print it off as a handout, you know, you run into other issues where you'd have to shrink a tall one so small on a PowerPoint slide that you'd never be able to read anything. Right. So I sent you, uh, you called me out on my infographic because my wife made what, what I thought was an infographic, but apparently I was wrong. <laughs> you, you didn't tell me your wife did it. <laughs> no, don't worry about it. She doesn't care. She doesn't listen anyway. Um, so it was, uh, what I, I sent you the um, thing about email, right? Like what IT guys want you to know about email. And in it, it was like, use signatures and folders and whatever and whatnot. So tell me, if you remember it, why that was not an infographic. Uh, I'd have to look it up. Where was that? I may have tweeted it to you. I turned it into a slide share because it just became so much easier. But I think it was just because it was like a one-page thing. Um, yeah, I don't, have to, I don't remember. I'd have to look it up. What was my comment on it? You said this is not an infographic. <laughs> was, it, was it all text or was it? No, no, no. Hold on. I'm going to pull up the P. I'm going to pull up the PDF here. I'm going to. The beauty of uh, Skype is that. Twitter never goes away. Twitter never goes away. But the beauty of Skype is that I can just send this to you right now while we're having a call that we're going to yep. be airing. This is like real time stuff happening. Um, I think it just what I mean, it definitely wasn't the long format. See if you can pick that up in your link. Um. And you, I don't know. 
You just called me out on not not being. Yeah, I'm looking good. for the link. Hold on a second. The email graphic. Oh, and it's going to try and download while we're going, so that's going to take a while. That's fine. We'll let that go. We can cut this up, so it's not a big deal. <laughs> so I like it. So people people who know my my podcast know that I like I like keeping these mistakes in there because it shows the the rawness of like what. Yep. You know, and I'm happy to tell you why because obviously I felt strongly about it. Yeah. Oh, there we go. Okay. So now you have it. Okay. So this is again. This is live. We're doing this live, people. I've just <laughs> there's sent no re- post production. There's no post production whatsoever. Randy oh yeah. Just got all the of it's text. It's too much text. It's a crazy amount of text. Oh, I'm gonna post this with the uh, with with the show in the show notes. You'll see, and then I'm gonna post this dog one. I'm gonna steal it from your website. I'm letting you know now. Yeah. So uh, I would say, you know, there are a couple things that you want an infographic to do. Um, one, you want it to be something that's easy for the audience to understand what the main point is. You want to do. You want to tell one story really well instead of trying to tell ten different stories. Mm-hmm. Um. And to do that, you've got to have, you know, sort of like a visual centerpiece that's drawing their attention to your main point, and um, you want to make it quick and easy to read. Something like this, um, there's so much text here that someone would look at this, and even before they started reading it, they would say, oh, wow, that is so deep and complicated. I don't even want to mess with it, you know, and they would move on without even reading it. That's fair. I mean, that's why I think it worked better as a slide share. Because um, I pulled out like each section separately. I was gonna say if you took each one of these little blips and made it into a different slide, that'd be great. Yeah. Um, so tell us a little bit uh, about the book, Cool Infographics. So the book is uh, really talks about you know the best practices in designing infographics, different ways that companies use infographics. So there's a whole chapter on like we talked about the marketing online type infographics, but there's a second chapter um, that's all about the ways companies are using infographics internally. Um, and in fact, that is the majority of the work that we do at my company, InfoNute, is that we design data visualizations and infographics for use with confidential internal data for clients so that they can share it in board meetings, sales presentations, uh, trade shows, employee training, you know, all kinds of different ways that they have all this data that they want to be better at using, mm-hmm. but it's not the kind of thing that they're going to publish online. That's interesting. Um, I never, I'm going to cut you off for a second because I, I, I want to just hit on that. That's interesting that com- I never thought that companies would use it internally. Yeah, the explosion of infographics online just raised everybody's awareness at how powerful it can be to communicate visually. And our business has really started to shift towards creating, you know, it might be presentations, it might be handouts, it might be posters, um, all for internal use because they have these massive amounts of, might be consumer research or sales data or market research that is their proprietary data that they want to be really good at leveraging and using and making decisions with internally. Um, But that's all confidential. They're never going to publish that data. They're just going to change their business practices or launch a product differently or market a product differently, that kind of thing. Right. Um, I mean, that again, I think that goes back to what we were saying earlier, where if you have a graphic of what's happening, it's more of a punch than just saying it in like a town hall meeting or something like that internally. Yeah, exactly. So you can get something in, and like I said, it's more memorable if you can make it visual too. So if it's a sales pitch to a client or you're trying to do employee training and teach the employees how this process works, if you can make it visual, they're going to be much more likely to remember that later and then you know do things correctly. So how did you get started doing this? Um, I started doing this while I was still working at a consumer product company, and we would get consumer research reports that were 200 pages long with 150 bar charts in them. Um, 
And we had to internally try to make sense of that data. And when you have that many bar charts, um, they really start to run together. You can't remember you know, one set of data versus the other because they're all colored the same. They all look the same. It's just that the numbers changed. Um, and so internally, we would have to figure out the data, what's important, what should we do with this data from a marketing or product development standpoint. We had to turn around present it internally to our executives because we wanted to say, hey, we want this funding because we've learned this great new thing about the consumers and we want to design this new product. Um, once we have a product, we had to turn around and make presentations to the retailers. So we need shelf space and we want you to replace some of the products you have in the store now with our brand new product because we're meeting this unmet need that we've determined in this research and again, show all this research data. Um, and then ultimately design packaging and marketing for the end user um, so they understood what you know, what this product does and what need it's filling and why it's such this great thing that we developed. Right. Um, and so I started doing data visualization and trying to find, you know, more engaging, more interesting, um, and really more effective ways to visualize the data instead of just all these bar charts. Um, and I was doing this all internally. And so that's why I started teaching myself all these different ways to visualize data. That's really interesting. I mean, it's just, it, it's so funny because you can have so much different data and yet still be producing like um, how do i phrase this you personally randy can take any data whatsoever and produce this like gorgeous sheet or graphic or whatever you want to call it in this case infographic that will visually represent almost any type of data like if you go if anyone goes to randy's website which is info newt any wt.com go to the portfolio and look at the or apple release patterns because that's what i'm on right now and like you just have like when they like launch stuff like it's 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 so much easier to read this than it is like to for me to like look up you know when did the iphone come out or like whatever it is like i can easily tell just from like this one graphic Right. So, you know, like we started to talk about earlier is that the idea is to take something complicated that's going to take somebody a whole lot of time to go do the research and figure out, do that for them, make it simple and easy to read all on one page. And bam, you've made this really helpful, informative resource for people um, like the Apple release patterns. Right. We could clearly see iPhones used to be released in June every year. Um, and then they made a dramatic and very calculated shift to September and October in that time frame. And so you can see the last few years, it's always been September, October. Right. Um, and you can go look up like through Google searches and through news press releases and when all the Apple news came out, you know, and try and figure out all those dates. But it's really nice to see, you know, all the different products and how they, how they all match up on one chart that shows you, what is it, 10 years history or seven years history of Apple release. What I'm um, looking at right now, though, is that the Mac Pro with the, 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 the redesign, the R2-D2 can, which came out in 2013. And I have one on my desk. It's just that it's so due for <laughs> an update. But that's neither here nor there. Oh, yeah, the Mac Pro may not get another update. We don't know. Yeah, we're hoping. We're all hoping. Um, so, let's you know, talk- Or even something like uh, one of the early ones I did that was very popular was called the Caffeine Poster. Have you seen that one? No. Um, it's about halfway down the portfolio page on the right-hand side. Okay. Um, I'm going to look for it. Well, and so the Caffeine Poster takes, I think it was about 20 or 30 drinks. Um, you know, and just plots them on the scale of how much caffeine are you about to drink when you go to the vending machine or you go to Starbucks or wherever and get a drink. And none of this data is aggregated anywhere, right? So the nutrition facts don't include how much caffeine is in each drink. Right. 
Um, so there's a whole bunch of research to find all these drinks and find somebody who's done the scientific research to figure out how much caffeine's in there. Or some people like Starbucks actually publishes, you know, how much caffeine is in their drinks. Um, and so you got to gather all this disparate data and then put it together into one design. And man, it makes it a whole lot easier just to look up the drink that you're about to go drink uh, or buy from the vending machine and figure out what are you about to put in your body as far as the amount of caffeine. Jolt Energy, which I'm assuming used to be Jolt Cola. <laughs> Yep. Um, oh my God, 300, what is that? 300 milligrams versus my normal Coca-Cola, which was 35 milligrams. Yeah. 35. <laughs> you know, as I get older, I find that Coca-Cola like wakes me up for like an hour and then I go, cause I don't drink coffee, which always throws people off. They're like, you work in IT and, and you do all this stuff. You don't drink coffee. I'm like, yeah, I drink, I, right. drink, I drink a lot of diet Snapple and Coca-Cola. Hopefully one of them will sponsor us one day. Um, but Jolt Energy, three hundred. Wow, what did wait? Uh, the number is two hundred and eighty milligrams, and like this just makes it so much easier to read than trying to like read this across. Because for anyone who's not looking at it, like there's this nice color bar in the middle, you know, uh, gradient from red to to bright green, and the numbers are just there with the picture of the actual thing, and you have some like nice little factoids in there, like September twenty ninth is National Coffee Day or or whatever, and. um it's just it makes it so much easier for someone you know especially myself who who doesn't drink coffee or do, but I could see now just the effects just based off this one thing because you could extrapolate so much other information out of this one graphic. Yeah, and I use this one as an example um, to show you know an infographic or a data visualization telling one story really well because. You don't see data about like what companies own these different drinks or how many dollars of revenue each drink makes, right? We don't crowd it with a whole bunch of other information. It just solves one problem really well. Right. How much caffeine are you about to drink? You know, and it does it you know in a very quick and easy way. And you're not going to list and read through every single drink there. You're going to pick out the drinks you like and go, oh, wow, and then move on, and you're done. Right, because I, I went straight for the Coca-Cola um, because I don't drink coffee, which is on the left side here. But I, I think it's interesting that – a Starbucks tall coffee has more caffeine than a McDonald's large coffee, even though there's more actual coffee in the McDonald's cup. Um, but that's again, that's neither here nor there. But this is a really, this is a really good way to explain information, and and for people that are are trying to get these data points really like pushed into somebody's head, you know, an infographic is definitely, I think, the way to do it. But do you think do you think that everybody's trying to do infographics? Do you think like I know it's your company and I'm not trying to like put you down or anything, but like do you think that there was like a an infographic boom or maybe like a, a bubble that popped? You're talking about the online marketing infographics. And I, I Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, it was really hot and trending for a handful of years, say between 2010 and 2013, you know, it was really hot and, you know, all these marketing companies were doing infographics, um, but it never went away. I mean, it's no longer the new thing that everybody's talking about, but we're doing more infographics now than we were back then. And people are searching for more infographics now than they were back then. The explosion of Google searches for infographics continues on this meteoric rise. Um, and so it's now just become a staple in content marketing. It's just one of the things you do is just not it's not new and often talked about anymore. Right. It's amazing stuff and um your book's awesome. Uh for anyone who doesn't I'll have a link in the show notes, but you can find Randy's book Cool Infographics Effective Communication with Data Visual Data Visualization and Design. Um which he got published by a publisher. That's I mean, I talk a lot about self-publishing, but um, you want to talk a little bit about how it was working with a uh, with a publisher? 
Yeah, so I worked with Wiley in their uh, tech department, and they did a really great job helping us, you know, with editors, and we had a technical editor and a managing editor, and they were doing all kinds of uh, great work on the layout and getting the book published, and it was, you know, all that stuff I didn't have to mess with, right? It was really nice to have uh, Wiley supporting me as the publication, but then um, the book goes out, right? It's at Barnes and Noble, it's at Amazon, it's on ebook if you want it that way, and you know, they moved on to other books. Right. And so the publishers and I wouldn't say this is specific to Wiley, but to most of the book publishers I've talked to, um, they're great at publishing books, but not great at uh, promoting books. Right. Um, so a lot of the promotion comes from me doing conference talks or, you know, the website and continuing to post on the cool infographics website that drives new traffic and people notice, hey, there's a book, too. You know, that kind of thing. Did you ever do an infographic about what it takes to make to to write a book? Not to write a book. I did do um, a quick one with a partner of mine uh, about how to make an infographic, an infographic about very meta, right? So an infographic <laughs> about how to make an infographic. Wait, if there's got to be another level to that because we could make it like totally Inception. Exactly. Like an infographic. <laughs> oh, here it is. Uh, an infographic on how to make infographics on how to become a graphic designer on how to make babies. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's what I told you. We're live and, and doing this. Yeah, wrong. you can go crazy. <laughs> like you're like, oh, how to make an infographic. And then it ends up with like, this is what the mommy and daddy are like. What? You're like, what the hell? <laughs> That'll be awesome. Um, now, I will say the, the problem is that most of the infographics online that people see aren't very good. Okay. Why? Um, and I could, you know, part of are cool you saying that because that's your when reason? I post this. You know, I post infographics on online. The idea of cool infographics is most of those designs, almost all those designs on cool infographics are not mine. Those are good designs I find, and I want to give them credit, and I want to give them props, you know, and links for great designs and be inspiration for other designers. Um, but I turn down, you know, three or 400 infographic submissions a week and only post three or four. Um, there's a lot of stuff out there that people – just put stuff together and it wanted to be an infographic and there's just it, – it brings down the overall impression of what people think of in infographics. Why do you think there's – well, let's do it this way. What makes a bad infographic? So a bad infographic um, doesn't tell a good story, right? It's either complicated or, or there is no story. It's just a whole bunch of data thrown into one infographic um, you know, or I've even seen – like what should have been a text blog post and they just saved it as a JPEG file and they call it an infographic so that it's shareable as an image. Right. Um, you know, and some of that stuff is just um, – it brings everybody down because people see that and go, yeah, infographics, you know, they, they can be crappy. Um, and it's almost like I compare this to YouTube, right? So YouTube, you can have horrible videos out on YouTube, people eating a sandwich, you know, or look at me tie my shoe, you know. And so there's millions <laughs> and millions of really bad videos on YouTube, but then there are some really, really good ones as well. Right. That's the thing. I mean, it's really hard for people to look people who don't know and like, you know, to see the difference between the two and yet they make an assumption that, you know, the, the they've seen a bad one, so all infographics are bad. But really there's data here to prove that they're really good at and they really do push content like we said earlier like whether it's a marketing one or, or especially now an internal business one. And yet people just automatically go, oh, well, this, this one sucks. All infographics must suck kind yep. of thing. Yeah, and we suffer from you know all the good things about infographics is they're quick and easy to understand and they're more memorable and easy to share. 
when there's a bad one, all that works against you, right? So it's quick and easy to see it was a bad one, and they're going to remember it way more than if it, you just got you know bad text. You know, your bad infographic is something that's going to be remembered too. So it uh, it goes both ways. Right. I'm on this website. I just Googled bad infographics, and I'm on one where one of the infographics is how to create an awesome infographic, and it's just a lot of text with like a couple <laughs> of like wheels of color, and like it's just. I, I know we talked about yours, and I'm sure you, I didn't see yours, but I'm sure yours is amazing. But this is just like step one, do this. Step two, do that. And it's like this is not what an infographic should be. And yet it's an infographic of what it should be, which I think is hilarious. Yep. Um, yeah, I mean, that, but that happens, like you said, that, you know, that happens on YouTube and that happens almost anywhere, right? Everyone, if you write something bad, it's going to be remembered as bad and it's going to be hard to break of that. But that, that could be almost any type of content. Yep. Um, it's just a matter of you, the appetalizer, remembering not to put out bad, crappy content. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, the, the barrier to entry is so low. You know, you can design an infographic in PowerPoint. You don't even have to have the Adobe Creative Suite. Um, and just because you have that doesn't make you a good designer. Yeah. People who use um, Word for design work and call themselves designers should should, should maybe find another job. <laughs> I, I'm I'm sorry I'm sorry if I like offended anyone with that sentence, but the fact is is that like I've gone to clients who have worked with graphics and they're like oh I'm manipulating this graphic and it's not working I'm like okay what are you using the like Microsoft Word and I'm like well that's why it's not working that's why it's not working yeah uh, um what's what's your uh... although I will say like a lot of people that like the book because it's it's not a software it's not like click here click here click here in the book it's about how to structure a story and how to choose your data and how do you list your sources and make a good infographic. So it's really more conceptual for everybody. Right. Um, you know, thousands and thousands of people don't have a design team to rely on. They just have to do it themselves, whether it's, you know, designing a presentation about this research or this data they have or trying to do some online marketing. They, they're just doing their own, and I understand that. You're not a professional graphic designer that has all these tools available. You can make one pretty simply, if, but and you can do it good or do it well. Um, and, I, and I get that. I appreciate that a lot of people out there are just struggling to do it on their own. Which is why Appetalizer, if we talk about outsourcing. So you should definitely outsource to Randy to do your infographics for you. <laughs> This is all, I'm just making a giant commercial for you. Um, what's the what's your design program of choice? What do you use? My design program of choice is actually a software package called OmniGraphle from the Omni Group. Oh yeah. yeah. Uh, originally designed to be more of a diagramming software, but it's a lot more, um, say, lightweight than say Adobe Illustrator, which a lot of people design in, or Adobe InDesign. A lot of people create infographics in mm -hmm. um i find it to be much faster and of course you know time is matters um, as far as how much time you want to spend on a design um that just to do it in OmniGraphle, um i can whip up something and do everything i want to do um and tell a good story and not have to have all the overhead of a much larger program yeah OmniGraphle is great i love what i love about OmniGraphle, and this isn't an infographic thing but OmniGraphle allows you to bring in stencils yes and um Whenever we do like network diagrams and stuff like that, we can do like these really nice stencils and like flowcharts and stuff like that for our clients. Um, OmniGraphle is great. If you guys, if you don't know it, um, check it out. It's like a hundred bucks. Um, 
It's only for Mac, though, I think, right? Yeah, I think yeah. it is only for Mac. That's So um, the point of it is, is if, you, if you have a PC and you're trying to do infographics, go to your boss and say, buy me a Mac. <laughs> because you should not be doing graphics with a PC. But that's, not, again, neither here. I'm getting a lot of neither here nor theirs today. Um, yeah, so a lot of designers, right, they have some type of vector graphics program. That's their main hub. You know, they may design some of the charts somewhere else and then bring them in. But if it's Illustrator or OmniGraphle, uh, or I've even seen PowerPoint. There's a uh, Inkscape is a f- open source multi-platform. You know, Mac, Windows, Linux, um, vector graphics program. You want some sort of vector graphics program that you're going to put this design all together in. Um, but then you need separately where you're going to visualize the data. Um, is it going to be in Excel? Is it going to be on a website? Is it you know a mapping program or whatever? What kind of data you have to work with? That's going to be separate from where you put the whole infographic together. Right. Well, this is great information, Randy. Uh, where can people find you online? So the easiest place is randychrome.com, um, where it has links to pretty much everything I do. Um, but my main website is coolinfographics.com. That's where I post three or four times a week um, of just good examples to try and help inspire people um, to do better data viz design and infographic design um, and have a whole bunch of links there as well. Okay, awesome. So that's the randychromekrum.com and and coolinfographics.com, and I'll put all that in the show notes for everybody. Randy, thanks for being here, man. Thanks, Justin. I appreciate it. My thanks to Randy for being on the show. So, Appetalizers, you're getting what we're saying, right? You can tell a story with pictures, as you know, right? They always say a picture means a thousand words. But when you use something like an infographic to to describe one particular topic, right, you're going to get a better engagement from your audience. So if you have a particular thing, like in our example that we were talking about in the, in the interview, the dogs hate hugs, all of that is about that one topic and that will engage your customers and keep them coming and it will really get your message out there, which is really what it's about. You got to get your message out there in order to get them to buy into your culture and then buy into your product because that's what the whole Appitalize community is all about. So my thanks to Randy Crum for being here. Uh, again, if you have any questions, please email me, justin at justinesker.com. Leave comments in the show in the uh, iTunes or on Stitcher or just hit us up on the blog or whatever. Just find a way to get in touch with us uh, or me and I will definitely help you out and answer all your questions. Thanks for being here for another episode of Appitalize on Your Idea, the podcast. We'll see you soon.